You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. <laughs> On this episode of Wu Pod Sui, you know what we're talking about. Adam Ford joins us to discuss the search for the next head coach of the University of Arkansas football program. All that and much more today on Wu Pod Sui. Wu Peg. Welcome to another episode of Wu Pod Sui, the official podcast of Arkansas Fight, the SB Nation site for Arkansas Razorback fans. I'm Tucker Partridge, along with my co-host Saul Malone. Say hello, Saul Malone. How are we doing, folks? Glad to be here. We have a special guest in the studio today, and that is one Adam Ford from Arkansas Fight. You've read his articles. You love them. Adam, welcome to the show. Good to be here, guys. Yes. We have finally a, a professional. Yes, we have a final, like, it's amazing that they've let us amateurs do this for so long, but <laughs> we've sent in the big boys because guess what? We have a big episode for you today because some things happened in Arkansas sports this week. That's right. The basketball team won, folks. And the soccer team qualified for the national tournament. So that's it. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else happened. Um, let's start out talking about our great soccer team. Unfortunately, they did take the L in the final of the SEC tournament once again to our foes in Columbia, South Carolina. But there is a lot to play for because today it was announced that they were a three seed in the NCAA tournament, which is the highest that I believe this team has ever gone. Correct. How about the soccer players i mean and also don't forget you can't take away last week we are the sec regular season champions that is official you can't take that trophy away we have it no we've got it and it's got arkansas on it coach colby hale obviously propelling this team to one of the best seasons in school history and it's not over yet we i think got a little hosed um in that seeding process, uh, I was looking at the soccer equivalent of FPI, I guess, and uh, I think our schedule definitely looks better than a three seed, but, you know, leave it to Arkansas to go into a tournament with a chip on its shoulder. There is nothing wrong with that. Definitely not. Yeah, expect us to play well. Expect us to make a deep run. Um, heck, I would not be surprised to see us end up in the final of the NCAA tournament, playing with that chip, coming off a loss, playing with a little fire. Uh, so yeah, and we've already beaten the number one team in the country this year, so what? we will not be scared of the big stage. Yeah, definitely, we do well playing away from home, as you know. So definitely, a lot to look forward to for the women's soccer team. I think um, I again would not be surprised to see them make a deep run, and would be pleasantly uh, would be a nice, pleasant surprise to see them make the final and win the whole thing. That'd be incredible. Speaking of pleasant surprises, I don't know how many hog fans were surprised by this necessarily, but basketball looked really good against Rice this week. They won 91 to 43. They will play North Texas on Tuesday night. So I guess after this pod is published, you will know the result of the game. Hopefully it went well. But in that first game, just really, really, really good performance by the team. Yeah, looked good. Obviously had some great performances from Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe. Uh, Mason Jones was actually named the SEC Men's Basketball Player of the Week. So props to Mason Jones. Great start to the season. And man, it was fun to see Musselman on the sidelines just fired up for the first game of the season playing Rice at home. Not exactly a big game by any means, but he was coaching like it was February and we we're about to get a bid. You know, one yeah, thing I was impressed with was Rice turned around and uh, they beat 
uh, Penn just a couple days later, uh, same team that beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So I had kind of wondered coming from that game, I mean, Rice missed a lot of open shots. I wanted this, this may be a really bad team, but no, uh, they dogs just handled them. Yeah. That's a quality win. <laughs> Mark that down for your tournament uh, <laughs> calendar ahead of schedule. We may not be to March yet, but we've already got our quality win. That's one. Put it on the board. Um, I was really, really impressed with the defense. I thought that given our size issues and with the NCAA banning my tall son, Connor Vanover, um, that defense might be something that we struggled with. And obviously, like we said, Rice isn't the best team. Um, but a lot of defense is effort and conditioning. And these guys looked like they were going to give it all and like they were well-conditioned enough to do that. You know, you love to see that early in the season, love to see a team play good defense and look like they can be on the court for as long as they need to be there and not look tired, looked like a cohesive unit, uh, got nice contributions all around the board, which I thought was fun. Just a really good team win. And again, I think we said on Twitter, but get on board the must bus, baby, because it is going places. I like that uh, Coach Musselman just, I, you get the sense that he's not trying to totally turn over the system. I mean, they forced uh, 27 turnovers. Uh, they played at a really fast pace. The game had, I think, 80-something possessions. It was a really fast-paced game. It honestly didn't look significantly different from what we the things that we enjoyed about the Anderson era. I just I thought they looked a little bit better with their spacing and half-court and stuff. So you think you see he's given his touches to it, but I like that he's not just totally turning turning the system over. He knows his guys are good at forcing turnovers, and that's how they're going to play. It looks like interesting to see a coach come in and kind of work with what he's got. Um, we will be covering coaches who make interesting decisions uh, coming up <laughs> a little later. Uh, but for now, we can celebrate basketball. But unfortunately, that brings us to the duty that no one wants to do, which is recapping the Arkansas versus Western Kentucky game. That is correct. We have the unfortunate privilege of recapping this. Uh, as, as you will note, if you're a listener of this pod, at the beginning of kind of the season and the beginning of this podcast's run, we talked about the reality of a 3-9 and nine season. Well, <laughs> that is probably out the door. Now, it's not off the table, but it's probably more off the table than on the table, I will say. So this was kind of guaranteed... It felt like this was going to be one of our wins. You would hope that this is a win that Arkansas could could handle and could take care of, and that was not the case. So uh, we're going to dive into some numbers real quick. Uh, yeah, so Arkansas, Western Kentucky at home. Um, unfortunately, uh, some tough tough stats for the Hogs. Um, so let's get into it. The offense generated 340 total yards uh, with K.J. Jefferson leading the passing attack, going 6-15 to 15 for 60 yards and a pick. John Stephen Jones going 3 for 10 and 27 yards and a pick. He did get the starting nod in this game. Uh, could never really find a rhythm, uh, and we saw KJ come in after that. On the ground, Rakeem Boyd had eight carries for 185 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, KJ Jefferson added 16 carries for 32 yards and a touchdown of his own. TJ Hammonds went for a carry and 29 yards, and Devwa Whaley went for one carry on in two yards on senior day, which is a real bummer. Kind of thought Devois would get some more carries, some more looks, some more touches, just more involved in a game that was kind of built for seniors. It's kind of a day for them. Uh, but that was not the case, unfortunately. But we want to shout out Devois because he has been a great contributor to this team all four years he's been here. Uh, and we're was disappointed that we couldn't give him some more, some more action. Uh, on defense, the Hogs gave up 478 total yards to the Hilltoppers with Ty Story going 22 for 32, 213 yards and a touchdown, also adding 17 carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Basically exactly what we feared, a Ty Story revenge game. He decimated us in every asset of the game that he he you know contributed in. Uh, Gage Walker added 23 carries for 129 yards and a touchdown. Jaquez Sloan going for one carry and 19 yards, but he also added a touchdown. So his one carry was important. Uh, once again, just a team came into Fayetteville and played better than us. Um, you know, and that's just been the story of the season. Granted, I don't think Western Kentucky was a team that anyone was looking to come and do that, but they did. And like we said, we were worried that Ty's story would come in and, and 
show what he could do, and he absolutely did that. Played well, didn't really turn the ball over, uh, kept the ball out of out of the harm's way, threw it well, ran the ball well, sat back and let his defense do the rest, and Hilltoppers come out of Fayetteville with not only a win, but a decisive win and the nail in Chad Morris's coffin. I think you've got to give just a tremendous amount of credit to John Chavis here, really turn the defense around <laughs> after giving up over 600 yards last week to see 200 yards almost shaved off of that. Um, just something really special. Not a lot of people can pull that off. <laughs> Real great stuff. Um, yeah, just incredible. Hope he stays here forever. No, it just... <sighs> the usual confusion um, that we've come to expect from the Chad Morris era with... I don't... I've said this before. I don't want, like, to be down on the kids because they really can't do anything about this, but... John Stephen Jones was once again the wrong quarterback to start because we always start the wrong quarterback. Um, it was very clear at this point that it's KJ time. We need to build for the future, and he's very much the future quarterback that we've got right now. Saw him come in. Uh, neither one very effective, but KJ was more effective, and it just... Begs the question. Show what he could do, and he absolutely did that. Played well. We, didn't really turn the ball over. How would over. we have been with Ty uh, Story of, at quarterback out of this uh, harm's way? Threw it well. Ran the ball well. Sit back and let his defense do the rest. And Hilltoppers come out of Fayetteville with not only a win, but a decisive win and the nail in Chad Morris's coffin. Man, it's it's just hard to believe that this was a... If we're to believe Hunter Juracek from his press conference, this was Chad Morris coaching for his job uh, in this game. A 26 point home loss to Western Kentucky. Um, nothing went well. I mean, they didn't stop the run. They didn't stop the pass. They didn't throw the ball. And then the one thing they did well was run the ball. And uh, is that correct? Is that eight carries? For they Rakeem stopped Boyd? running it. Eight carries. Uh, I, 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 I'm, are you sure that's not 28 and you just left the two off there? No, I double No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry to report. It was only eight. Man, uh, that's that's hard to believe. And the one thing I thought with, I mean, you're right, John Stephen Jones, uh, wrong option at starting quarterback. You'd think if this was, in fact, Chad Morris coaching for his job, he said all year that Hicks and Starkle were the best options at quarterback. Why don't you go back to the guys you've said all year were your best options at quarterback? It just, it points to a deeper pattern of this staff just digging holes, like, for themselves and really punishing themselves. You stick with those two pretty stubbornly throughout the year. Uh, you see KJ come in last week against Mississippi State and immediately light it up and then choose to pivot to John Stephen Jones, who is none of the three of those guys. And I don't want to you know, disparage him because he has moved the ball well at points this season. But either the season's lost or it isn't. You're coaching for your job or you're not. If you're coaching for your job, start your guys. If the season's lost, start the youth movement with KJ. It just there's not a lot of logic going on here. Uh, and also, I don't. Th it it's not like this. Uh, it was a surprise to Chad Morris that he was coaching for his job. You know what I mean? I don't think he played the game and then at the end went to Hunter and was like, "Well, I had no idea that this might have been it for me." Like if you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you know you're coaching for your job, throw your guys out there. And we know the season's lost. I mean, like, yeah, like people get mad when he throws out sticks and Harkle, uh, Har excuse me, sticks and Harkle, sticks and Harkle. Hicks and Starkle, because they're not great. But if that's your guys, that's your guys. And like, like we said, like this isn't a, they couldn't have been, he couldn't have been caught off guard by the fact that this was him coaching for his job. And it's a bummer that it got to the point where he's coaching for his job against Western Kentucky at home. No, yeah, absolutely, just a terrible situation. Um, but it really does beg the question, I guess, what, it, what could have been had we not chased Ty story out of town, um, for the two guys that he did, uh, not thinking that this team would have overachieved by any metric because evidently we are incapable of that. But, would they have maybe snuck a win against San Jose State or Kentucky or the A&M game? Uh, Man, it's it's hard to think that they would have, I don't know. I, it, 
I, I feel like that both Ty Story and, by the way, on the same day that Ty Story was doing what he was doing, Cole Kelly uh, leads Southeast Louisiana into Conway and beats UCA and throws for like 270 yards and rushes for like four touchdowns. I actually think both these quarterbacks benefited by leaving. Uh, I just think that everything here was just the well was poisoned here. Yeah. I, You've talked about this. Oh, go ahead. No, I just, yeah, it's, I agree. Like it, it's tough to like, I, I think the the best thing I can think of is if for some reason he didn't leave, it's just, we could have some sort of consistency at quarterback, you know, and granted he went to Western Kentucky. He wasn't even the starter when he got there, but you know, earned the job over time and has played well. But I think, yeah, I just think the idea of some sort of consistency because watching this season at the quarterback position has just been an exercise in frustration of like, well, who's it going to be? And what's the reasoning going to be? So I think some consistency would have been nice because it would have saved some sanity. But granted, I don't know if Ty Story was here if, you know, we can assume that he would be in in the in the way as a, as a starter. But like, who's to say that Chad or that staff would have even seen that and started him? Who's to say we wouldn't be in the same position, but instead of John Stephen Jones, we're just rotating in Ty Story. So... I mean, it's fun to think about like, oh, he would have been our guy. But with this staff, I can't say that with any sort of certainty. Now, I think Adam has said this in an article before, like every quarterback that gets the focus of the week is the one who gets broken. Like nobody benefits from being the focus of this offense. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's pretty much it. I, with story, I, I think that one of the issues is that Morris ended up having is you run story off, you bring in Hicks. Okay. You've got your quarterback. I don't know why you then go out and also get Starkle. Like I, he brought in two quarterbacks and created a mess for himself. And the fact we were also pursuing Kelly Bryant, I, I just, <laughs> I don't know if he just had no idea and he just wanted to just stockpile quarterbacks and just throw <laughs> one out there at a, one at a time and see what happened. But it, I think this was very much a created mess to bring in two transfers and then and then you end up with neither one of them are now playing yeah yeah because you end up with that i mean what happens if it goes the other way and kelly bryant picks arkansas then you've got three transfer quarterbacks on roster and evidently no coaching staff to make any one of them individually stand out so we could have been rotating between those three throughout the year that gives me a headache thinking about that just the but also just would seem very on brand for this staff of like, yeah, let's just stock up and then use everyone poorly. Can't get beat by Missouri and Little Rock by Kelly Bryant if Kelly Bryant is on the bench at Arkansas. 40, once again, Chad Morris was playing 4D chess. We just didn't see it. That will bring us to the next topic, which is a thing that happened in Arkansas sports this week. Chad Morris is no longer the head coach at Arkansas. Bam, 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 but bam, bam. Woo. before we talk about that and celebrate that, we have to take a quick break. And we'll do that right now. And we are back from that very quick break here to discuss the big scuttlebutt up on the hill this week. I am, of course, referring to the firing of Chad Morris. Chad Morris has been fired by the University of Arkansas less than two years in. Fellas, what are we th- what do we think of the Chad Morris era? Uh it happened. <laughs> it definitely occurred. I mean, it was bad. Like I I there's no way other way to put it. Like I Chad Morris might be a great dude and from all accounts he is. He's a really great guy. Nice to be around, great family man, and that is awesome. Kudos to them. There's not a lot of good dudes out. Well, that's not true. There's some great dudes out there, but like he was a bad football coach, just plain and simple. He was in over his head. He lost to North Texas, San Jose State, uh, just bad teams. Western Kentucky, you know, like though he couldn't get a power. He could barely get a power five win. He's leaving without an SEC win. And he's leaving with just having completely wrecked any sort of fan engagement with this program. Their apathy is at an all-time high, and people are just out because you can't. You can lose football games, but you said it in a couple articles. You can't lose the fans, and you can't lose the donors and the boosters. And he did all of that in less than two seasons, which is, in its own way, truly impressive. 
I think it's fair to say that he's the worst coach in Arkansas history. I mean, I have to I have to go back to the media guide to people whose photos are in black and white to try and compare <laughs> and see if if he's if he's truly the worst. And I don't know. I think there was some dude in like 1902 that lost to like Hendricks or something, and <laughs> that might have been the worst coach. But uh, he's definitely the worst coach in modern Arkansas history. He's got to be worse than Jack Crow. Jack Crow at least made it to the first game of his third year. And. A lot of people point to John L. Smith as the worst, like, modern coach. Well, John L. Smith won SEC games, albeit against one of the worst teams I've ever seen in that 2012 Auburn team. But now we're in contention for one of the worst SEC teams I've ever seen. It really, he has to go down as the worst coach, at least in the modern era in Arkansas history. And quite frankly, I'm willing to go on the record and say that he's the worst coach in Arkansas history. Um, his final record was four and 18, uh, zero conference wins. And I mean, literally you can name the games he won because there were only four of them. Eastern Illinois and Tulsa in 2018 and Portland state and Colorado state in 2019. Not a great resume. <laughs> uh, is there any part of you guys that wanted him to stay so he could go four and twenty? <laughs> I I don't think so. I think at this point, uh, especially after the Western Kentucky game, you had to make a change. Um, I just don't see a situation where keeping him till the end of the season works out. But you are seeing this kind of debated among the college football writers, college football fans. Is you've seen Morris fired now less than two years in uh, at Arkansas, and then Willie Taggart obviously getting canned earlier than that at Florida State. I don't think... I'm reading a lot of takes right now because there are so many takes and that we're like building a precedent uh, that's bad and shouldn't be followed, but I don't know if this is just the homer in me, but I um, this was a unique situation, I feel like. Like this wasn't fan fans being entitled or fans having unreasonable expectations. I don't think we had unreasonable expectations. You expect to beat San Jose state and Colorado state and North Texas and Western Kentucky. I mean, the fact that we're listing off powerhouses with directions in their names that's kind of an indictment on him as a head coach. I don't think, at least in my mind, it was not too soon. No, I don't think it was too soon either. I I think part of it, too, is the last two games, there have been boos in the stadium. In the uh, last two home games, one of them being homecoming, the stadium was filled with boos. And, you know, granted, it was, I, I, it was at players but it wasn't necessarily about at the players it was just about the players and about the way that Morris was using them and about the overall feeling about the the football program and what was going on and I don't think you can continue with that even the rest of this season and certainly not into next season no one I mean granted I you can make the argument on online that you can give we want to give Chad more time and that's easy to say but when you're in a stadium full of people that are booing especially at home uh, that's on homecoming. On home, that's <laughs> and on senior day. You know what I mean? Like that's not gonna fly. That's not gonna work for another season by any stretch of the imagination. The uh, Western Kentucky game was what was it, thirty-eight to seven at halftime? Yes. I mean, right. You know, I, you, I maybe back and I think I read that before uh, just a couple years ago. I think it was before this year. They said there'd only been one time ever uh, for an FBS team to fire a coach in season after less than two years just for being bad. And it only happened like one other time ever. And I don't know, maybe nowadays, maybe there's something with the way that the players play. I think, honestly, they had the opportunity to go out and save their coach's job, and the players simply didn't want to. I mean, I think that because Arkansas should be able to sleepwalk to a closer game against Western Kentucky. <laughs> the fact that they didn't suggest that these players had moved on mentally. Um, and once that happens, it's, you know, what there's terms for it, like losing the locker room. Once that happens, you don't have an option, no matter how far into the coach's tenure you are. Yeah, I think Juracek said it in in a kind of a coded, or not even coded, but just a subtler way or a nicer way of just saying, it seemed to me that our student athletes weren't enjoying the Saturday experience anymore. <laughs> yeah, no me shit. Me either. Neither, no, <laughs> no one was, man. Like, 
That is the nicest way I've ever heard anyone say something along those lines. Yeah, I wouldn't. No one was enjoying the Saturday experience anymore, man. It was a lesson in suffering. Just to like, we were we were both on the running the Twitter on Saturday, but they scored one touchdown and Tucker, I think, tweeted, "We're going to lose this game," and just we continued to just be demolished. Like he, not that he was, uh, like it wasn't like a premonition or anything, but you could just tell that Western Kentucky had come to play and Arkansas and we had, had not. Just weren't ready to play at all. And then, yeah, I think you're right. Just We didn't want to. We didn't want to play. And that that comes back to culture, and that falls on a coaching staff. I think this kind of transitions us a little bit into some of the articles that Adam wrote uh, this week. The first one being, why did Chad Morris fail? I think I'll you know, speak for myself on this one. Um, but I thought he kind of had the recipe to succeed. I sure his record as a head coach maybe wasn't spectacular. Um, but he definitely, I feel like had the resume to say this guy has won at every stop and has at least the letters of recommendation from people who matter. Um, I don't want to be a guy that's throwing in sources say, but, I've spoken to some people in the program and evidently they reached out to Malzon initially. He said no, but he said, you guys should get a look at Chad Morris, which now almost seems like SEC West sabotage, but <laughs> we'll continue. Um, then we apparently spoke to people uh, regarding Brent Venables. I think he's just happy where he is. Yeah. And he apparently recommended Chad Morris. Well, then you have the board of trustees connection. He had coached at Lake Travis where Jerry Jones's grandson was, but, and I am sure there was a good old boy network going, but he came in with the press conference and said the right things, had seemingly the right plan with saying, we're going to hit Texas recruiting really hard. And, Boy, it just didn't work out. So, Adam, I guess I'd like to direct to you. What are the reasons you think that Chad Morris failed here? I think step one is understanding what he was doing right so that we can understand what he did wrong because he wasn't able to execute that vision. I think the main thing that he did right was that I think that the scheme was actually in the right place. There's going to be a tendency among fans to hire the exact opposite of the guy you just fired. Uh, that's what Nebraska did. They fired Bo Pelini, who was kind of a jerk, and they hired Mike Riley, the nicest guy in football, and he flopped <laughs> spectacularly. Um, there's going to be that tendency to go say, let's go get somebody that's the exact opposite of Chad Morris. I think that's a bad tendency. I think that the scheme that Morris was trying to put in, the broad idea of a misdirection run game, uh, a pass game built around a lot of screens, using RPOs, using read plays, I actually think that's the right track. I think that Arkansas was on the right track there. That's what Arkansas can get in recruiting and that's what they need to focus on. Uh, so I think the reason that Morris was unable to execute it is one of the main reasons is he had bad offensive assistance. Uh, Joe Craddock's resume does not really stand on its own. Um, nor does his offensive line coach receivers coach. I mean, these were just, oh, they were old Clemson GAs. They were just his buddies from his days back at Clemson. Um, you really have to have, top-notch assistant coaches to compete in the SEC. Your entire staff has to be good top to bottom. And I just, I think that everything ran through him. He was hired to be some kind of offensive guru. He had to design the entire offense by himself. He had to do all of the game planning, all of the scouting, all the play calling. And we were all running everything through his mind. And that's just a dangerous way to live. So I would say bad offensive assistance, I think really undid the offense. I know the defense was bad, but, you don't hire Chad Morris to win game 17-16. You hire Chad Morris because you want points, and the offense was terrible both years. Right. I think that's a great point um, because I, I thought that this would work systematically. I think with Arkansas, you're always going to have kind of a distinct disadvantage in that the state just doesn't produce uh, the big offensive linemen. It just doesn't. It doesn't produce linebackers you know it just you have examples where i almost feel like 
in successful years, Bielema and Petrino just kind of got that luck of the draw of having kind of once in a generation classes come through with Petrino and the wide receivers, but then uh, Bielema with Dre Greenlaw specifically coming from Arkansas. I think I think that a sort of misdirection system that is more based on getting your playmakers in positions to make plays could work at Arkansas. It just, I like you said, with it all having to come through Chad Morris, I mean, think if he had had some offensive mind to rely upon as an offensive coordinator, but we know that that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> You know, when he was hired, I, I, I went to bat for him because you know it wasn't a sexy hire because you know there have been the rumors of Brent Venables and there have been there's always the Gus talk and that sort of stuff. He wasn't sexy, but uh, to me, he did have a, somewhat of a resume. And the you right the press conference, he said all the right things, but the last two years have just been somewhat indefensible. Um, you know, and it, Somewhat. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be n- as nice as I can here. Cause yeah, it's just, it's just bad. And, you know, and I just see just talented guys just kind of squandered, you know, the fact that we chased Ty story away. And if Connor Nolan was like, I want to play anything but this. So baseball it is. And, uh, <laughs> the fact that we had, we got Rakeem Boyd and we're running him eight times again, like again, durability and blah, blah, blah. But eight carries and like just even the lack of awareness that it's senior day and Devwal Whaley is going to get a carry. Like I, that might seem something small or something that's easily like to overlook, but you got to give the guy some, some love. You know what I mean? Just, he didn't get Arkansas. He didn't get the culture. He didn't get what we're about here. And you can't like, you can't make someone learn that. Like you can adjust a scheme and fit and that sort of thing. But if you don't get, the culture and the fandom and like who you're coaching for, it's not going to work. And we saw that game after game with Chad. In the fourth quarter, uh, it was 45, 13 Western Kentucky hogs have the ball at probably the two yard line. Uh, KJ's in at quarterback and Whaley is the running back. And I'm sitting there thinking, please give the ball to Devois and let him score a touchdown on senior day. On senior day. <laughs> they motion him out and KJ gets the touchdown yeah. and good for KJ getting the touchdown. But Give Whaley the ball and let him score the dang touch. It's the fourth quarter of a game you're getting your brains beat out of. Let the guy have a memory on senior day. And I think that does kind of go back to, I really think that these guys were just, they really thought, I, there's the famous story when Charlie Weiss was hired at Notre Dame. He goes in and tells his players, because he, he'd come from the Patriots. He comes in and tells his players in like one of their first meetings, you guys are going to have a decided schematic advantage. He claimed that he was such a genius that nobody in college could stop his offense. And then, of course, he got fired a couple years later because he was terrible. And it all worked I, out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's Morris's. That was Morris's thinking. Is he? He really thought that he was bringing some kind of offense that was going to be something great. And he forgot. You got to. You just got to get the ball to your best players. It's really football is really not that complicated. At the end of the day. Oh no, I mean, not at Rakeem, all. Eight carries for Rakeem Boyd. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and that's the thing. No, because I mean, he's got 185 yards at that point after eight carries. Like, no, he's maybe not going to be depended on to bust off two more 70 yard, 50 yard runs, but get him the ball. And that's, we've talked about that before in the podcast of Chad Morris is like, he outthinks himself all the time. Like, if it's blatantly obvious to everyone else, he'll do exactly the opposite. Like, it is apparent that Devois Whaley should get a carry on the two on senior day. Like, duh. Like, he should sc- <laughs> he should score a touchdown and have a senior day memory because he has been with his team and played well for four dadgum years. And to literally, like, anyone who has kept up with Arkansas football for any amount of time during this last four-year period, yeah, Devois Whaley should get the ball and should score a touchdown. Chad Morris can't get that through his head. Like, it's, and, and that's the thing is, like, these things are not hard. Like, I'm not a football coach, and it's easy for me to sit back and look and, oh, we lost to Western Kentucky because of this, this, and this. But things like that, like, that shouldn't be hard for you, especially as a head coach, to figure out. Like, that's not a difficult decision to make. And it's it's just gross. And, like, I, I think one of my things about, if you watch the game on TV is on SEC Network, 
I think for good reason. They never put the camera on Chad that much, and they didn't show our no, side, not sh- at all. They didn't show our sideline, like because our sideline was bit bad. It's people milling around. No one really cares to be there. They're not excited. They're not rooting for the guys on their team, and that's because they got a head coach that doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And nobody within fifteen feet of the head coach. Nope. Nobody, no connection with the players whatsoever. He, he, it's almost like he didn't even know names. He's just sending number seven out there and maybe hand the ball off to number five this time. I mean, it just, it's rough. It was rough to watch because you're right, the sideline. And I watched Traylon Burks limp off. You know, he got, he was limping off. He, he was getting killed. There. Yeah. <laughs> the coach, he limped off. Oh my God. Go ahead. I almost lost my dad gum when he called that trick play. To, oh, just, we are we are down at that point. What was it? Was it the time we was like forty five to something? Was it, we were, is it, it was either like forty five to seventeen or like 30, 38 to seven. Like it was at a point where we're down so bad, and you call a trick play where you get your rookie or it's not your freshman, one of your most talented freshman wide receivers destroyed. Like just gets hit in the freaking nads because you want to call That's a big brain. Moves. You want to throw a a freaking some sort of flea flicker thing. Grow up, like that's that's the like that's so dumb. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I was so mad that you want to like risk injury to a talented guy like that because you want to open up the playbook on the game where you're gonna get fired. How about instead use that play to give Raheem Boyd his ninth carry? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be cool. I don't know. I'm not an offensive coordinator by any means, but yeah, maybe we just hand the ball off to Raheem Boyd and don't throw a lateral out to. Ra- to Traylon Burks and hope he can throw a bomb and uh, instead he's got a guy there immediately who just <laughs> just tackled him by the groin. Rakeem Boyd scored on a quarter of the touches he had. That's, but, you know, let's just not hand him the ball. Yeah, that's fine. He's fine. He's had enough touches for the day. <laughs> he, so we see the end of the Chad Morris era. Um, I don't know that many hog fans are going to be saying may he rest in peace, but he gets a pretty sizable buyout, uh, to wipe his tears with. I think that should bring us to kind of what's next. I just want to say, obviously, I think that every, every job I should get that sort of cushion. I should be able to suck at my job for two years and then have them pay me to leave. They should be like, you're so bad. Here is a big chunk of money to just go away. <laughs> we gotta, yeah, we gotta apply that across that all up. professions. <laughs> Chad Morris, yeah, Chad really Morris need- should pay us money. He should be like, you know what? I am so sorry. Here is ten million dollars. <laughs> Please forgive me. Uh, there was actually uh, Hogville uh, sources say about that. Uh, they said that Morris and Yurichek had met, and Morris had agreed. Uh, to pay back some of his buyout because of how disappointing he'd been. Oh, well, um, well if it's on hot so bill, you can wrap it up. It's on hot. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, to talk about what's next, obviously, immediately, it's Barry Lunny Jr., who I thought was as much of a home run as you can hit in this terrible, terrible situation. Um, been at Arkansas for years, obviously, played at Arkansas. Um, incidentally, when he was a player, uh, experienced the Jack Crow firing. So I guess he knows what it's like to have your coach fired in the middle of a season for being bad. Um, I think that the locker room should rally around him and he's every player you talk to, um, loves him. Even former players were kind of excited about that. Um, Probably not going to be a coaching prodigy that wins the last two games. So who should we look for next? Well, with regards to Lunny, one thing that's important for him right now is he's the, I mean, behind your check, he's the second most important person in Arkansas football right now, because right now there is some, I, I think, concern in the broader coaching profession uh, why did Chad Morris fail so spectacularly? Is Arkansas really a very good job? I had uh, um, SB Nation's Bud Elliott telling me today uh, that uh, he, on Twitter, he said that uh, he just straight up that Iowa State is a better job than Arkansas and Arkansas shouldn't even waste their time going after Iowa State coach Matt Campbell. 
Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, but Iowa State's definitely the better place to be right now. I think there's going to be some concern about this job. There may be legitimate concern that Mike Norvell doesn't want to leave Memphis to come to Arkansas because of the fears. <laughs> what actually sank Chad Morris's tenure? I think that going out and putting on a strong performance, even if you don't win these last two games, if the team rallies around Lunny and plays well in these last two games, that's going to show the broader coaching community that, okay, this isn't actually a bad job. Chad Morris just did a really bad job at it. <laughs> and I, that's important yeah. because right now I think there's a little bit of uncertainty. Oh, dang, Bielema failed and now Morris failed spectacularly. This may legitimately be the second worst job in the SEC behind Vander, ahead of only Vanderbilt. So Lunny's really, he can... I don't think he gets the job, but I, it's worth noting, just throwing it out there, if if Arkansas beats Missouri, uh, there are five undefeated teams left in the FBS. Three of them are coached by guys who were never coordinators. They went straight from position coach to head coach. Two of them, Dabo Swinney and Ed Orgeron, were in-season promotions from a position coach to interim, and they finished the season strong, got the job, and look where they are now. So... Just something to keep an eye on. I've got a question for you. Uh, granted, I I think you put it well. Like we can't afford to get this wrong. Uh, this hire has to be a home run, or as close to a home run as you can possibly get, given the circumstances. But do you think the university has to make a somewhat sexy hire, a sp- a little bit of a splash? Because Lunny could be an incredible coach, and like he might come on. But if you if you go out and we went against Missouri, and then we say, hey, this guy is our head coach for the next season. I don't know. Regardless, like, well, I think people will give him a season, but I don't know if people are, are pumped or excited. I, I don't know if, if excitement returns to the program if we don't put a name in the head coaching position. Would it be met with kind of like the reaction that Matt Luke got at Ole Miss? And Matt Luke at Ole Miss is not endearing himself to Ole Miss fans currently, as we've seen. Like, yeah, he's an Ole Miss guy and he loves Ole Miss, but the numbers aren't there. The, the season, like they're beside, they're all they're coming down around us as far as record and, and that sort of thing. Granted, they're better, but they're not good, and they haven't been good since Luke has been the head coach. Because I don't know if he's necessarily cut out for that. So that it, it could happen, but again, like Ole Miss might be a good case study for that sort of situation where you could do that. You could find a guy that loves Arkansas and is a quote unquote Arkansas guy, but it doesn't matter at the end when it comes to wins and losses. With regards to Ole Miss, I, I still don't know exactly how much they're dealing, still dealing with some NCAA issues related to uh, the uh, smoking crater that Hugh Freeze left behind. Uh, <laughs> somehow, somehow he keeps getting mentioned as a candidate for the Arkansas job, and uh, I, I don't I don't get that at all. But um, Matt Luke, uh, I don't know exactly what he's dealing with there. I think he hurt himself. He got off to a bad start by uh, retaining not very good coordinators. One of the things that's made other uh, – in interims that became permanent head coaches like Dabo and, and Coach O is they made great coordinator hires. Um, I, I think Matt Luke may have waited a little bit too late. He's got Rich Rodriguez and uh, Mike McIntyre now who are fantastic coordinators, but he may have waited a little too late to make that move. Um, with Lunny, I, you're right. You, you could end up with a Matt Luke situation, but you could also end up with a Dabo Swinney situation. So, I, it's hard to tell at this point. I do think that you would have to steady both. I don't think that you would just, if you beat Missouri, you just automatically give him the job. I think if you beat Missouri, you look for a, a big name hire. You look to see if you can pull somebody that would be in a home run, but you may get turned down by potential home runs. And if that's the case, I would rather go with Lunny, assuming the team finishes strong than with someone who's just totally unproven, like a Billy Napier or someone like that. Who's kind of not really at the top of anybody's list. All right. That's fair. I just, yeah, I just wanted to know because again, uh, we we have to get we have to get this right. And like, I I I think the right hire is better than a sexy hire. But I do think there is that sort of element of like Arkansas people at this point kind of want a name because Chad Morris was not a name. Brett Bielema was a name at the very least, and that granted he wasn't great, but he was a name, and it almost seemed like that gave him more of a shot to keep sticking around when he wasn't doing great than Morris. Uh, but like you said, there there are some people that, you know, are potentially out there for Arkansas. Um, but I'm just curious is, I guess my question was, we, do we want to have someone that people know? I think that matters. Um, but I guess it, you had a great point, Adam, in your article this week, kind of talking about 
we talked about how Brett Bielema was a name. Well, Brett Bielema came here and tried to make Arkansas into Wisconsin. That didn't work. So we went in the opposite direction and hired a spread guy in Chad Morris who tried to make Arkansas into Clemson. You've kind of said and posited that we need to make Arkansas into Arkansas with the next head coach. What does that mean to you? Like how, uh, obviously that's the $10 million buyout question, but in your mind, what does that mean for a coach to come in and make Arkansas, Arkansas? It means that you can't directly copy what worked somewhere else. I, I think that you can, and that doesn't mean you don't say, okay, we're going to hire a, a coach that, that was successful somewhere else. You want to hire someone who's going to establish an identity. I liked that Brett Bielema was trying to establish an identity. I just thought it was the wrong identity. He was trying to establish an identity of being tough in the trenches, offensive and defensive line, and he couldn't do that in the long run in the SEC. And he actually... His first class was loaded with offensive linemen like Denver Kirkland, and then he inherited Trey Flowers and Darius Phylon. That is the best situation that a head coach has had in Arkansas in a decade when it comes to offensive and defensive line, and even he only got a couple years out of it before the the wheels fell off. So I like that he was trying to establish an identity. I just think it was the wrong identity. It was the Wisconsin identity. It wasn't the Arkansas identity. Um I, I, with Chad Morris, I don't know exactly what his identity was. Uh, <laughs> we're still trying to figure that out. I think he was going to recruit Texas. Uh, I think that was his thing. Um, but uh, that's not really an identity. Um, I, I think you need to figure out what works at Arkansas, and you need to make a hire. I, I don't think it's as simple as a lot of people like Mike Leach because he has a very clear identity. I don't know that that necessarily would work at Arkansas um, in the SEC. I think you really have to hire a guy who gets what it takes to win here all the way down to these are the types of recruits we can get. This is what this is. This is the way the state views the football program. I, I, I just wish that Arkansas was more of a cradle of coaches that we could fall yeah. back on because we're talking about Barry Lunny because they're there. I mean, there's almost nobody else out there. That's why we keep going back to the Gus Malzahn. Well, other fan bases would have left Malzahn a long time ago because they have other guys they can cheer for, but we have to keep going back to Malzahn because he's the Arkansas guy who made it. And I, I, I think that that's part of the, our Arkansas problem, but I, I get wanting to say, this is what we are. This is what we're going to be. This is what works at Arkansas. This is unique to Arkansas. What works at Wisconsin may work at Wisconsin. What works at Clemson may work at Clemson, but we have to be Arkansas. Yeah. So who is at the top of your short list? Let's uh, do like a re- uh, optimistic pie in the sky, top of your short list, and then maybe a more realistic <laughs> top of uh, your short list. Uh, I would say if you could name a reasonable head coach, I mean, not we're talking not Saban or someone, but if you could ta- name a reasonable head coach, uh, PJ Fleck at Minnesota. I mean, he's not coming here, but man, you should try. Um, PJ Fleck is fantastic. He is a classic example of, he's not a guy with a scheme. He is an all around coach. Um, I watched Wisconsin against Penn state and they were so much fun to watch. Um, it's just, it's a really well-designed offense. It is Brett Bielema modernizing his offense. Kind of. It's like it's smash mouth, but there's RPOs and there's read plays, and it's shotgun, and it's spread. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. Um, they're one of the most run-heavy teams in the country, but they also have one of the most efficient pass games in the country. It's, just, it's a really good scheme. It would work with the players that Arkansas has most years. Um, I really like it, and their defense is good. They're, they're sound. They don't commit penalties. Uh, they're really a fan. I mean, he's, he's good, and, and we've, we've known he was good for a while. That was a, that was a big-time get for Minnesota when they got him a few years ago. Um, I think you need to try to get Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Um, he's kind of been unlucky in close games. Uh, his, his record in close games is, is terrible. They lost by one on Saturday to Oklahoma. They've got a one-point loss to Iowa. They've lost by, like, two to Baylor. So, And one of the interesting things about close games record is that uh, record in close games is not predictive of future success. That's just kind of a statistical thing. Um, a guy loses a bunch of one-possession games, that that doesn't really tell you a whole lot. Uh, overall, Iowa State teams are strong, and that is a hard place to win. Um, I really like Matt Campbell. Um, the other one, if you want a guy with Arkansas connections, uh, Eli Drinkwitz out at Appalachian State. He has uh, two more wins over Power Five teams than Chad Morris has in his entire career. 
And uh, he's been a head coach for 10 games. So uh, Appalachian State beat South Carolina. Uh, they've also beaten North Carolina this year. Um, he's only been a head coach for one year is the big downside there. Um, so, and he inherited the best program in the Sun Belt. So could he build a program? I don't know. He's got a great pedigree. He's coached in the Boise State system under Brian Harson. He coached under Malzahn. The offense that he would run at Arkansas and the defense that he would try to put together. I mean, he, he gets what it takes to win at Arkansas, I think. Um, that would be a really hard sell to the fan base is you just hired a guy who had three years of experience as a head coach, and now you want one with one year? Yeah. So that's going to be a tough sell, but I, I actually kind of like that one option as well. Yeah. I think PJ Fleck obviously is at the top of the top of my list. Uh, I just don't think it's happening. I wanted to have Arkansas row the boat when he was at Western Michigan. He just left a year too early. Um, but I, I think obviously that would be an amazing hire. Someone that has been talked about a lot that. I don't know. The stuff that you hear is where you have to say are rumors rumors or if there's smoke is there fire is, of course, Mike Norville at uh, Memphis. He a lot. My initial apprehension around him was wondering how much of what he was doing could be credited to Justin Fuente, um, who he took over in a really good shape of program, but he's stuck with it long enough. And they've been good long enough that it really kind of makes you wonder, like, I guess he must be a really good coach. But like you mentioned in your article, Adam, is that because he's relying on players that are just better than players in their conference? Or is it truly a scheme thing? Because at Arkansas, you're almost certainly not going to get better players than Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, name the school. So if you're relying on that, you're not going like that. That cannot be your bread and butter at Arkansas. I am concerned with the entire American conference because we just hired a coach who put up the best offense in the American conference. And boy, I just watched his offense for two years. <laughs> um, I do not think highly of American conference defenses right now. Uh, that's the big concern with Norville is how much is he just simply out athleting Tulane and Tulsa? Um, he, he's not going to out-athlete Alabama. Uh, his teams are very dependent on big plays, uh, particularly ripping off big runs, which is a feature of the design of the Malzahn offense. It's supposed to rip off big runs, and Norville, of course, got his coaching start under uh, Malzahn at Tulsa. Um, they, they do a lot of big runs, they generate a lot of big plays. They're one of the most explosive offenses in the country. That's great, but that, that I mean... LSU's defensive backs aren't really known for for giving up huge plays, um, <laughs> except except against Alabama actually on Saturday. But uh, I don't I don't know how many big plays Arkansas is going to generate against them. Can he build Arkansas to the point where that kind of approach would work? Is my concern. Well, and Arkansas does produce um, those kind of skilled players. Like we produce a fair amount of wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. But is it going to take? Uh, transcendental athlete like Darren McFadden or someone to succeed in that system because our good athletes that Arkansas produces are nothing compared to the good athletes that Alabama or LSU can produce. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you boys flex. Just man, I want, I want to row the freaking boat, baby. I'm on board with that. <laughs> but like, again, he just signed that big extension at Minnesota, but I don't think it hurts just investigating if, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be interested. I'm on board. Uh, I don't know if you guys are as high on him. I'm uh, I'm pretty in on Matt Rule. Um, I think Matt Rule would be a, a good hire here because just because he runs a similar offense uh, down there at Baylor this season um, and has been running it pretty well, obviously, to the tune of an undefeated season so far. Uh, granted, it's not as impressive, I would say. It doesn't look as good. It's not as fun. But it's the same system, kind of that smash mouth running, RPOs, nice play action, and uh, he runs it well. And I think that could fit. I think that could fit here. Um, I think too. I'm interested in um, obviously Norville is a is kind of a you know realistic hire. Um, it, whenever there's a coaching vacancy, Mike Leach comes up. Um, I like Mike Leach. I don't know, Adam. I think I, I echo your sentiments. I don't know if a pure air raid offense could work in the SEC, but uh, Mike Leach, I think, is worth taking a look at because that's going to be 
he's going to have an identity at the very least. Um, and then also I'm interested. Um, I think um, Willie Fritz at Tulane is an interesting candidate. Uh, he, you know, he did really, really good at Georgia Southern and central Missouri and has genuinely turned Tulane around. And he is just to me a rebuilder, like the definition of a rebuilder. Um, granted, again, he's coming from the American and it's not the most impressive conference, but I think he's an interesting wild card and him and an interesting wild card that I think you, it's like you bet big and hope it works out. It's kind of putting all your money on red is, is Lane Kiffin because he really has provided, (laughs) he's provided some stability as much as people don't want to admit it. He's provided some stability down there at Florida Atlantic. They've been good the past two seasons and he's left obviously places in less than ideal circumstances, but it seems kind of he's found a grown-up streak the last couple of years. And if he can keep that, if that can be who he is, I think that that could work here. Granted, it could also blow up spectacularly. And then from there, we are, you know, screwed royally. So it may be not worth the risk, but I also think he's, he's worth bringing up. You know, if we're going to talk about keeping Lunny, why not talk about Lane Kiffin as well? Kiffin's a huge risk, but... I also think that a lot of other big name programs that are going to be looking for coaches this year and next year are not at the, they're not at the rock bottom point where, Oh, Lane Kiffin sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so Arkansas might be able to get him for a very limited buyout. Yeah. Um, at maybe even not a whole lot of pay, uh, because he may just be looking to jump up and have his chance. Um, if that's the case, then it becomes an interesting, interesting call. Uh, big fear obviously is that he blows up spectacularly and Arkansas ends up in a situation where they're looking for a coach again in two years, which is, would really be the ultimate nightmare. Um, so yeah, that's the big concern I think with, with Giffen. As far as, uh, Matt rule goes, I almost wonder if he would even want to look at this job simply for the fact that he went in at Baylor in one of the, like the worst NCAA sanctioned environments that I've ever seen, obviously deservedly so, but went in there and has turned them kind of back out into, I don't want to say a contender necessarily, but they're undefeated, you know? And I, do you want to do that again? Because obviously Arkansas is not facing NCAA sanctions, but we would be a heck of a rebuild job. And I believe that Rule has certain NFL aspirations, which, again, could leave you in a coaching vacuum if he were to come here. Yeah, among the coaches who are already at a Power 5 school, I put Rule uh, in, my, in my ranking. I put him the lowest. I still think he would be a great hire, but that, those are all concerns. I Honestly, and I absolutely hate to say this because they're one of my least favorite schools in the country, but right now Baylor is a better job than Arkansas because sure. he can get players that are close to Dallas, and then he can also go down to Houston. He The sanctions actually were a little bit of a blessing in disguise because he was able to completely build the roster with his own guys. We saw with Chad Morris that it looked like he clashed with the Bielema holdovers, uh, Devois Whaley, uh, among others. Um there wasn't a problem like that for rule at Baylor. He just came in and he recruited his entire roster and he just built them up and he has done a fantastic job there. But yes, you worry about him leaving for the NFL. I'm not entirely convinced he'd even come to Arkansas and do it all again. Like you said. So we need to, uh, just apply NCAA sanctions to ourselves and let the next guy come in and build his own guys. Um, Obviously, with all of the coaching talk, you get the classic Arkansas uh, coaching candidates brought up. I feel like we'd be remiss if we did not include the uh, bring back Bobby Petrino movement. Um, And then I have seen a lot of in our social media make Urban Meyer tell you no. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Um, but I tell Urban Meyer no. You know what? You can you can ask Urban Meyer all he wants. This will be his response. No, he's not interested in coming to Arkansas. I you I yeah I I, I get the sentiment, but my goodness, I saw Pete Carroll mentioned somewhere too. Pete Carroll? Oh. He's only 
He's only what in first place or second place in his division with the Seahawks. You know, I believe I, he was as, here for that one year as a grad assistant. Guys, he has deep Arkansas roots. <laughs> Clearly, good lord, I have not seen Pete Carroll. I've seen uh, the classic big character guys, um, Art Briles and Hugh Freeze. Obviously, huge character. Um, Bring a lot of respect back to the program. As we speak. Uh, Pete Carroll is taking the undefeated 49ers into overtime. So clearly he's on his way out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have not seen the Pete Carroll take, but you're right. Huge, huge Arkansas guy. Uh, we also get, um, I keep seeing the, uh, the idea of, I, can't, I forgot what I was going to say. We can just edit this part out. All right. <laughs> oh, I, I keep seeing uh, Dan Quinn in the conversation. <laughs> that actually, you know what? I think that's worth talking about simply because I've seen several soon to be fired or out of a job NFL coaches mentioned. You mentioned Dan Quinn. I've seen Jason Garrett a couple of times. I think Jerry got to hire his guy. You know, Jerry got to hire Chad Morris. Jerry should probably pay for his buyout, but I don't want Jason Garrett. No, I don't want Jason Garrett by any stretch of the imagination. I I will say this with regards to NFL coaches. This is the weirdest statistic I have ever seen. Only two NFL coaches ever left for a college job when their team had a record of two and 13. And those two are Lou Holtz and Bobby and Petrino. Bobby Petrino. Both <laughs> coming to Arkansas. <laughs> so we so, need to find a coach who is about to be two and thirteen. So I think Gase with the Jets might be two and thirteen here in a few weeks. So keep an eye on Adam, Adam Gase. Gase. There you go. And you know who his offensive coordinator is. Dowell Loggins, former. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, so, there it is. It's happening. All right. Adam Gase to the Hogs. Folks, you heard it here first. Uh, Adam, Adam Gase, Gase is confirmed hire. Here. Um, both Lou Holtz and Bobby Petrino did have tremendous success at Arkansas. So um, maybe Adam Gase uh, is the answer we're looking for. Worth noting um, in terms of plane tracking, Chef Gordon Ramsay is in Little Rock right now. Um, so potential wild card there. He's at least decent at man management. Um, he would certainly give the players what for if uh, they let him down. Uh, he's filming a show called uh, Football Nightmares where he comes in and turns around. A <laughs> I think there's a market for a show like that. I really do. Um, it's called Hard Knocks. <laughs> knock on wood if you agree. Knock on wood if you agree. Um, so I guess, now, hey, Hunter, your check just one second, because Hunter, you're a check. When he was at Coastal Carolina, he hired the former CEO of TD Ameritrade to coach the football team. So you really never know with this guy. Yeah, and it worked. It worked. Yeah, no, there, yeah. We didn't. There's, there's guys like there. Our next coach very well mean very well might be not anywhere close to this list that you made and that we're talking about. We could get someone that we hadn't even thought of. Well, and I don't know, this isn't as drastic of an example as that, but a lot of the basketball hire was people saying, wait on Chris Beard, wait on Chris Beard, wait on Chris Beard. And when that wasn't happening, I don't know that I necessarily had Musselman on my radar. And that's who we ended up going with. Now, maybe that's just me being ignorant of what was going on at the time. But I don't know. I... I if he's hired a CEO before and kind of went out of the blue and hired a Nevada coach, I, who knows, we could end up with Temple's coach or something. Stunned silence that you would suggest that. I'm sorry. I'll never <laughs> suggest a school like Temple again. Um, I think that brings us to our close. We obviously have a lot of questions, but so does Hunter Juracek. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and for continuing to read and keep up with Arkansas Fight. Please subscribe on whatever podcast service you are using. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. 
among others. So keep a lookout for that. New episodes will be posted weekly on Wednesday. Thank you so much to Adam Ford for coming on the show today. Some great articles that you can read. We will link those in the description. Please be sure to sign up for our SB Nation Fan Pulse poll. That will start polling basketball confidence. And part of the fun, I guess, of this dreadful football season has been watching the confidence go up and down. And guess what, folks? It has gone up since Chad Morris was fired. Um, thanks again. And go Hogs. Number five. You better look at him a little closer. He's a football player. It's Arkansas, baby.